Welcome to Real Estate Agent Superstars. I'm your host, RJ Baxter with Intercap Lending. And I have with me today a powerhouse newer agents, agent, Tiago Fernazier. Did I say that right, Tiago? Yes, yes. I did. did. Okay, I, I did it. And uh, Tiago is awesome. I mean, he's only been doing real estate now for five years, and he's consistently been over $10 million in production per year. He's with 8Z Realty out of the Denver office, and he's just going to talk to us a little bit about how he's done it in such a short amount of time. And I love his approach to the business and the kinds of things that he's doing. So welcome to the show, Tiago. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, um, been, like you said, I have been doing this not for very long. This is the beginning of my fifth year. And I think I attribute the success to be in close touch with the people that already know me. They know, like, and trust. That's the people that will do real estate transactions with you. Um, and and just stay with the following up process. Follow, stay with my agenda of following up with them and do the monthly touches, weekly touches, and have my sphere cl- classified as hot, warm, and don't know, right? So the goal is to get the don't knows to become warm and then become hot and then the hot list is some is are those people that I always in touch like weekly. And then the warm is those folks that I'm touching base here like on a monthly basis. So that's what had helped me on the past and currently to stay in front of my sphere and just touch base and following up and and see what's and listening for change, listening for change in their lives and every time there's a major change and that's time for me to chime in and offer my services. I love it. I think the episode is over. That's enough. No, I'm just kidding. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I want to go deeper on that stuff. But before we do, tell us a little bit about your story because your story is really interesting because you're not from the U.S. originally. You've been here for, is it 13 years? Uh, for yes. Not a super long time. Um, so tell me about how you, how you came to the U.S. and how you how your uh, life evolved to get into real estate. Yeah. So it was about 13 years ago. Um, I was back in Brazil trying to find out what I wanted with life. And I decided before making any major decisions that I should travel abroad and experience different culture to learn a different language and see for myself. Um, end up in Colorado, came here as an au pair. So I was taking care mm-hmm. of kids. Had two little kids up in Evergreen. So straight from Brazil to Evergreen where it gets quite a bit of snow every year. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I did that for a year thinking that, okay, you know, uh, that's it. And then at the end of the first year, I signed up for another year. Uh, at the end of the second year, I got a job offer. I was like, well, I guess I'll stay here for another year. And I think every year since it's always it had been always like that. Like I'll I'll say another year to see where it goes, and then another year and another year. So yeah, you know. And then one thing led to another. Um, I became a U.S. citizen in 2019, um, and was doing personal training before. Had my own little studio. Was working about 12 hours a week uh, a day, so a lot of hours a week. And um, the real estate opportunity came in, came in through a client and explained the wonderful 
their real estate businesses. Mm -hmm. And uh, that instigated me to get my license in 2018. And I am here now. Did you have an interest in real estate before, or is it just something that kind of came to you? Uh, before that, it was just the only experience I've had with real estate was buying my, my first home. And mm -hmm. the agent that helped us, like, it was a good agent for sure. But I think, you know, my wife and I were lost in a process or we're not on the same page or understanding the market. There was a fear of what's happening in the market, what was going to happen to the market and, you know, just the overall first time buyers concerns. And, um, it, it was a little stressful. It took us about nine to nine or 10 months to find a home and go into the process. So it was a little scary, but thankfully, uh, it was a good experience overall. Um, and, at the end, I remember my our agent was like, yeah, congratulating us. And he was so happy for us. And I thought to myself, like, how cool this guy got to see, you know, we achieved this accomplishment, which was buying our first home. And that kind of instigated my, my curiosity about real estate. Then in 2017, that's when I got my house and... And then I, I, I left that aside. And then once my client instigated me with the real estate licensing and told me the wonderful business this is, I was like, okay, well, maybe I can do this. You know, like I can do what my agent done for me. I can help people that way versus uh -huh. just helping them in the gym. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So was it, so coming from Brazil, how how was was the language barrier hard and how was your language like how was it by 2018 were you feeling confident enough that was that a barrier for you was that did that make it difficult uh definitely there was a, some language barriers for sure uh my english was very basic when i first got here like i could call 911 and ask for help and that's about it <laughs> um you know and and i think since 2010 to 2018 my english had improved quite a bit and i can say with confidence that it's my second language english is my second language mm -hmm. put a stamp on it um but going to the real estate contract language was was tough there there were a lot of a lot of words yeah, vocabulary wasn't ready for words such as lean and uh you know ILCs, all the acronyms was difficult to understand and all the legality of the words that was tough. So I, it, that forced me to really dig into to the understanding how the real estate works and how the laws works. And on, and on top of that, learning new, new, new words. So it, I couldn't, mm -hmm. I could pass the test. So, yeah, I can't even imagine that must've been so challenging. I mean, this is already a challenging business and then having to learn all those words on the contract and everything was, it must've been a challenge. Yeah, it was, it was quite a challenge, but I, I went through it, uh, passed the test, the first take. So I think I did well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So did you, at first, were you working with clients from Brazil or that spoke Portuguese or were you, um, working with us-based clients or a little bit of both or how did that look 
Yeah, so most of my clientele before real estate was uh, U.S. based, was American folks, young professionals. Um, mm-hmm. My my little studio was uh, on Seventeenth Street in uh, Arapaho, so right downtown Denver, where it's a lot of finances, a lot of you know oil companies. So most of my clientele was more Americans trying to you know get a workout in and get you know ready for ski season, ready for to play whatever sport they want to play. And once I switched to real estate, I had to really tap into the Brazilian community. I was well known in the Brazilian community as a trainer, but Brazilians they seem they can they they think they can do by themselves everything. So I my my personal training clientele wasn't. There, I didn't have many Brazilians with me, um, but uh, I was very popular because I organized events such as soccer, soccer game watches, I watch parties. Um, so I was well known okay. for that. Once I switched to real estate, um, I really spent some time going around the business community, letting them know that I am a realtor now and I could help them with buying or selling homes. So it took me about four months to get to everyone and and it took a lot of repetition just keep reminding them it's like hey i'm not a trainer anymore i am a re- realtor now i can help you buy and sell houses but not get in shape anymore stop reaching out if you want to get in shape but if you want to buy or sell that's i'm i'm your guy yeah and uh organize the events for the community also helped because it it, it helped me to get in front of you know face to face uh with them and just another reminder, another touch, like, Hey, I, I help people buy and sell real estate if you know anyone. So mm-hmm. since then I'll say majority of my clientele is, is foreigners, not necessarily Brazilians, but, but foreigners, which is funny. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> is that because do you think it's cause they can relate or you can relate to them and they can relate to you, um, immigrating to the U S absolutely. I think there is that factor of like, you know, immigrants to the point, like, okay, we're both immigrants, we're both like foreigners in this country. Uh, so we kind of understand each other in that, in that sense. Um, in regards of the Brazilian folks that, that buy and sell with me, I think there's more of the trust like, of speaking their first language and explaining the contract in a different language in the matter they can understand for, compared mm-hmm. to their, you know, original country. Like in Brazil, buying and sell home, it, it's, a totally different process than here. All right. So, so something that's coming to mind that I'm thinking about is, um, you know, you're a young guy starting off five years ago, you're even, even younger guy. And I ran into this when I was starting in the mortgage business. Um, how do you gain credibility with your clients? Um, you know, I'm not talking about just either foreign or us based, just clients in general. How do you establish credibility as a younger real estate agent? You know, I think with the newer clients, it's uh, not being afraid to ask for the business. Mm-hmm. One lesson I've learned is I uh, was being intimidated by wealthy individuals. And whenever the conversation in regards to real estate will come around in front of me, I would feel hesitant. It's like, oh, this person is does million dollar transactions. Like I, I feel out of place here. And uh, a friend of mine gave me advice, like, never be afraid to ask for the business. So that's a really good point. I, I learned that early that 
to ask for the business. And also through the readings I've ever done, educational self-improvement books, the average, the average amount of no's you have to get in order to get one yes is 11. So for every mm. 11 no's, you get a one yes. So after mm -hmm. that, I lost the fear of asking for the business. So I've sat in tables before and people ask me, have you sold million dollar homes? Like, no, I haven't done that, but I do know how it goes. I do know how to do, I do know how to sell a million dollar home. And also I know how to do a, a purchase contract for a million dollar home. So mm -hmm. if you're looking for a million dollar home, I can help you. Would you mind giving me the opportunity to represent you? And I've got a lot of no's. I've got a lot of no's until I got yes. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, in regards to credibility, I think the, the desire and not be afraid to ask for the, for the business, not be afraid to tell them the truth and not be afraid to show who you are, to say, I don't know, but let me find out versus just pretend, you know. Mm -hmm. In regards with my um, clients that have done repeat business, I think it's just my process and, and work ethic. They know what to expect throughout the process before we even find the right property or before we even get a, an offer on their property. So they know exactly how this is going to go. And they apparently like the way I work. So they, they for my clients were, words in my reviews they said that they enjoy my work ethic and they enjoy my process since it, it provides them with clarity uh what's going on in the deal that makes them feel confident on the decisions they're making interesting you, you know you've mentioned that work ethic a couple times and tell me more about that what does a typical day look like for you my typical day well i am a uh, I'm an agenda guy, right? So this is my agenda. This mm -hmm. stays by my side every day and, and stay on the agenda. So because my background is in, in fitness, I, I compare everything to fitness. I think real estate is much like fitness to me. The work I do today, it's not going to pay off tomorrow immediately. It's going to pay off 90 days from now if I continue doing the work. Same as in the gym. So if I go in the gym today and do 10 reps, it's not going to pay off tomorrow. But if I do 10 reps every day in 90 days from now, I've done a lot of reps. Mm -hmm. And there, and then should I expect some results then? So to me, real estate is very similar to this. So to my day to day, I focus in the morning uh, and my in my business. So doing the work that my business required, reviewing contracts, reviewing the MLS, reviewing everything that I have to do, getting back, make my phone calls to my clients, my service calls to under contracts, ex checking in to see where we are, if they have any questions and here's some information that may help you. Then I focus on talking to the people. I try to talk to 50 people a week at the very least, they call just to say, hey, hello, how are you? I was thinking about you. How are the kids? How's work? Did you enjoy the 4th uh, uh, of July? What did you do? Barbecue? Great. Well, I was just 
call in to say hi. Hope I hope to see you soon. Bye. Very quick call. So, and then I reserve my afternoons for um, you know to do the 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 work with buyers and listing appointments and and real estate reviews and talk about what real estate has done for my clients. So. That's my uh-huh. daily activity. So every day I focus on those specific activities, talking to people, follow up with current clients, past clients, uh, social media work. So every day it has like one thing that I need to focus is specifically. So at the end of the week, I've done all the things I need to do um, to generate a business that I want to have. Do, do you, when you call your 50, do you say 50 people per week you try to call? Yeah, I try. Um, sometimes more, sometimes like I fall short, but. Okay. Do, when you call those 50, do you ask them for the business or see if they sometimes, have sometimes, um, sometimes, you know, I'm on my car and I try to call people when I'm on my car, in my car, going okay. places. Cause it's, I have to, I have to spend the time in my car anyway. So might as well talk to some people. I think I don't do that enough to ask for the business, but when I do have a listing, when I do show a home or sometimes like I, I just think this person is a right fit for this specific house, then I do. But maybe I should do more often. Maybe I should just when I finish the calls, like, hey, if you know anyone that wants to buy or sell, let me know. Maybe that's what I would do. But no, to answer your question now, I don't do 100% of the time. Uh, just sometimes gotcha gotcha well sometimes is better than than never right um how do you decide who to call you know that's funny sometimes um in the past what i've done is a uh, phone roulette okay so what what that means i like go literally you just swipe down and whichever one it settles on you call oh my oh my my contacts i go to the list I think I have like just over 1,300 people in there. Uh-huh. I I swipe twice up, one down, put my finger in the middle, and then I call. Huh. I did that for a while, and now if I'm driving and I'm thinking of someone or I see something that makes me think of someone else, I'll call them immediately. For example, one time... I was driving home from a show in Centennial and my wife called say, Hey, I booked our trip to Costa Rica. We had our wedding to go. And she asked me, would you be interested to do a surf lesson? It's like, Oh yeah, I'll be awesome. A surf lesson. Right. So like, great. So I'll book us up. Our friends will do it too. It's like, great, great. As she hangs up, it's like, who do I know in like surfing? And I thought of this gal, and now that was a tough one to call because she she's one of my ex-girlfriends. Oh. <laughs> right? But, you know, like we're, we yeah. kept in touch and we talked over the years. Um, so, like, you know, I'm going to call her and ask her about surfing in Costa Rica, what she thought about. So I call. Right? And it's like, hey, hey, it's Tiago, how are you? Hey, just quick question. Now I'm going surfing Costa Rica. Like, do you have any tips, pointers, any any other companies that you recommend? She's like, oh my gosh, you're going to have a blast. Costa Rica is a good surfing. So we had a conversation about surfing for, I don't know, 45 seconds. Then she turns around and is like, 
hey, actually, I was thinking about you. I need to sell my house. I'm moving to California. Hmm. I was like, oh, that's that's wonderful. Yeah, let's set up a meeting. And we'll, <laughs> I would love to the opportunity to sell your house. And right there was a million-dollar sale. Wow. It's amazing how just having conversations and opportunities come up. Right. So that was random, but sometimes like, I just call people because I think about them, right? Um, I saw I have a friend that drives for DoorDash, and I was at the a, a light on Colorado Boulevard and 8th Avenue, and there's a Trader Joe's there, and somebody with a DoorDash backpack came out, and I thought of my friend, so I called my friend, see, we'll check in. Turns out he's thinking to get married. It's like, oh, Ooh. dad, he's probably going to need a house soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you have a, a, like as your client base grows, do you have a system for keeping track of people that maybe don't come up on these random thoughts so you don't miss anybody and you stay in touch with all, all your people? Yeah, so I, I, I do track these this touches uh, in several places. I do have a a tracker, a business tracker, where I keep my warm, hot list under contracts and closed. So that way I, I look at that every day. Is that like that a spreadsheet is, or a database? Yeah, it's a spreadsheet. Yeah, this is a spreadsheet. Okay. The, way, the reason I have a spreadsheet is because I can print it. So mm. I carry it with me. I carry it with me wherever I go. So if I if meet... I'm in doubt who to call or who to, to see how my business looks like, I know where the spreadsheet is, even though if I don't have my computer with me. Now that, I do have a CRM where I can make notes, set to-dos. Um, okay. And every time I talk to someone, I make a note on my paper agenda. And once I make the note paper agenda, I put on my CRM. And if someone says, Oh yeah, I'll be out of town. I'm going to this place, or someone gives me a piece of information that will require me to follow up. I set a to do on a CRM, and the CRM shoots me a reminder like, "Hey, call so and so." Nice, nice. So, what do you do when this? This always happens to me. It seems like. What do you do when you're you have plans to sit down and do your routines and to you know, to put in the work you know you have to do and then your day gets blown up by something, whether it's personal or business. All of a sudden you look up and it's one o'clock. You haven't done those basic things you were going to do in the morning. How do you deal with those curveballs that life throws you? You know, I think what, with me, I've, I've learned how to accept it, that, that, you know, hey, I didn't get to do this and it looks like I won't be able to get it, you know, to catch up through the week. And that's okay. Before, before I would get anxiety about it, right? I would stay up all night. I would, I don't know, do something stupid, right? Now it's okay. Hey, I haven't gotten to do my calls yesterday, for example. I didn't do 12 calls yesterday. I didn't. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. I'll catch up whenever I got the time. If I can catch up with a text or a video text, I send a lot of video texts these days. I'll do that. And to me, it would be sufficient. They'll get a response. Maybe will not. And not everybody that I try to call picks up the phone. So I think a video text mm -hmm. is more, you know, um, it's a better than a voicemail. 
So mm-hmm. I try to catch up in certain ways, but if I don't, then don't. I will try to do it next week or the next day or whenever I have like an additional free time. It's like I have free time. I don't know what to do with myself. Well, maybe let's catch up at work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Well, I think it's, you know, also um, for me at least, as I became more established back in the day, it wasn't so... I wasn't I wasn't hanging on every deal, I guess you could say. So it was a little bit less I felt more confident and grounded in my business. So it was kind of the same thing as what you're saying. It was like, well, I'll, I'll get caught up tomorrow. It's okay. I've got, you know, there's I have prospects out there that I'm working with and you know, tomorrow I'll find some more. So for me at least that's that's how it you know, how my approach came. But yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. <clears throat> What do you like most about being a real estate agent? You know, I th- well, I'm not going to lie, money. Uh-huh. Right? But I think at the end of the day, what makes my business keep going the way it is, is not be fixated on a deal and not fixated what's good for me, but what's good for the client. It's not about me. It's about the client. So I think that is the most important because at the end of the day we are helping people to sell their homes for whatever reason we're helping people to get into a new home for as an achievement or whatever that is right as a need so at the end of the day you're helping somebody and being providing a good service and have the client happy i think that's what pays me at the end of the day versus any monetary nice <clears throat> nice so tell me more about some of these events you put on. Uh, sounds like you do. How many, how many events do you do? What kinds of things do you do? Sounds like this yeah. is a big, um, a big source of business for you. Yeah. So every for in the past every year I do I I do like a client appreciation party, which is like a barbecue, resident style barbecue. I have about fifty to sixty people come in. I cook all the food. I cook oh, okay. as the party goes. I provide a keg. And it's a good time. It's a good opportunity to, you know, be face to face and provide them with appreciations. Like, hey, I do appreciate your business. Let me cook for you, right? Um, we do. I do have another party that it's um, within our brokerage. They they help. They throw a party for every client. So that's another opportunity to be in front of my clients. Uh, whenever there is a soccer game, especially when Brazil plays, I have mm-hmm. a watch parties for the Brazilian community and they always love that. Yeah, now sure. this year, this year I'm changing a couple of things. There's no world cup this year, so I got to be more creative. Uh, so this year I threw a party for opening day at my office for my clients. Um, some other agents, they kind of came along and we partner up. And so we threw a huge party for opening day. I, I cooked burgers and brats and, it was a fun time. Um, this fall, I am organizing a ski tune-up. So I'm going to get this guy oh. called the, the Ski Doctor. It's, it's uh-huh. This guy, it's in the, he comes in the van. It's crazy. I, was a, I went to a brewery, and he was in the parking lot, like, tuning up people's skis, and people were just having a beer while the, their gear is being, like, waxed. I was like... Do you come to places? So this fall, that I got cool. his number, 
And uh, I'm, I'm going to have them come into my office, to the parking lot of my office, and I'm going to host my clients like, hey, I have a, also, I have a keg of beer. And come get your stuff tuned, waxed, right, by the ski doctor, and have a beer on me. And let's hang out. Let's uh, catch up and ask me anything about real estate. Yeah. Uh, where I live here too, I am going to do something similar by the end of the summer. I am going to, I get a, a good deal in kegs for the local breweries around our office because our office is in Rhino. So I'm going to get another keg and I'm going to invite the neighborhood and say, come have a beer. Ask me anything about real estate. It's a good opportunity to cool. shake hands, to get the people that lives, you know, next door to me. And uh, maybe ask questions about real estate, talk, having conversations about the market. Yeah. So that's my two events. Plus, so this year I still got my barbecue, brokerage party, appreciation, and ski tune up. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and maybe I'll send some pies for Thanksgiving. Cool. I love that one too. That, that ski tune up idea, I haven't heard anyone else that's doing that. I love that idea. I mean, that's, that's really Colorado, right? So everyone here. I bet you'll get here, a great turnout for that. Hopefully. Yeah. For, for the pie delivery, have you done that in previous years? Or you yeah, I have done it. Yeah, I have done it. In the past, I have somebody deliver for me, but I think this, this year I'm going to deliver myself. I, I, have, I have some real estate agent friends that do that, and they deliver it themselves because it, if they get the person at home, it's, it's just a great conversation starter. And then real estate conversations happen. So I oh, think yeah. that's, a great, that's a great strategy. I agree. I love that one. So what kind of, here's a, here's a question I had is, what kind of roadblocks have you had over the course of your short career? And how have you overcome those roadblocks? Uh, roadblocks, I think... I mean, I think the most recent roadblocks I've had was conversation about the market uh, in regards to interest rates. Mm. Right? Not, not, an not an easy one, right? And I mm -hmm. think not trying to be pushy with clients and, you know, clients, they read the, the, the headlines and all of a sudden it's like the it's doomsday and they're all freaking out and they see you as a salesperson trying to make a sale and Sometimes everything that comes to your mouth, it doesn't make sense, right? So I think overcome the roadblock of reinterest rates, for example, and market crashing believers is turning the same question. It's turning their comments into a question, right? So, so okay, mm -hmm. so let's talk about the interest rates. Like, you feel nervous about the interest rates. Are you trying to buy? No. Are you trying to sell? No. So why is that a concern? Right. Oh, well, I, I don't know. Maybe I am trying to buy it. Like, okay, well, there's some, there's some positive things about it. Right. Cause the if interest rates are higher now than it was before. And we're reading that it should come down once inflation is under control. That's an opportunity for you to refinance. Also with the rising interest rates, you don't have as many competitions as you had a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Right. So you don't have to overbid in the property. Perhaps you can get it under a less price. So that's mm -hmm. an opportunity. So those are the positive things you can do. Imagine if your interest rates are 
where they were in the 3%, 4%, and you had to compete with 10 people, how much over list price you would be willing to pay? Would you ever get in a house like that? I don't think so. So now I think it's a good time just in regards of, you know, less competition and opportunities to get concessions and all, all the fun stuff, right? So I think mm-hmm. once you turn their comment, their concerns into questions themselves, I think that you can see in their face, they try to work through it. So, and with the market crash believers, it's just asking the same questions. Like, so what do you expect in the market crash to? Is that 10%, 20%, 50%? Mm-hmm. What is it? Is it going to happen? No. What's the data tells us? So I think those are the roadblocks and not trying to sell as a salesperson, but I think just to show is better than telling them. It's like, oh, let's look at the data together. Let's look at the charts. Let's look at the historically, what has happened before. Mm-hmm. Like, let's look at Colorado in 08, right? Like, what well, what happened then? You think that's going to happen the same thing? It would come down 5%? That's still not crash. It's, not, it's still not bad. Right. I own a home. I own a home, and since I get purchased my home, it's gone up so much. If you say that this year we're gonna do minus five percent, depreciate five percent, I'm still okay with it, right? Because mm-hmm. if I look at the overall picture, still good. Like any good asset, if you look at the chart of any good asset, you see that there's bumps along the way. But the point is, it always goes from the lower left the top right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what I love, not only how you are putting that into questions back to the prospect, but also, um, spinning it, spinning the positives of the situation to them. So I think that's, that must go a long ways. Do you have other people that you are able to then talk through that, that rethink, uh, their opinions about crashes? Yeah. I've, I've, I've convert market crasher believers into buyers mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they're losing, they're losing for, you know, competing offers. They're competing out there. They're like, can't believe people are still competing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, where were you like six months ago? You wouldn't have that. <laughs> yeah. Do you still right. believe the could've... market's going to crash? <laughs> yeah. Could have, would have, should have, right? Yeah. But you know, again, it's just, show don't tell so now they're like oh yeah Tiago knows his stuff like he knows the market he knows what's going on i rely on him versus you know whatever else i read out there Mm -hmm. so what's your opinion on the market do you think that things are going to continue on like this for a while longer do you think we're going to see a shift i think here in colorado i know real estate it depends where you are I think here in Colorado, I think my opinion of the market, this reminds me of just the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. Everybody wasn't sure what was going to happen, right? Like, I don't know. The real estate market is going to crash. Oh, I don't know. Interest rates, uh, all this craziness, right? Like, I don't know what's going on. We're shut down. We can't leave the house. Like, this is not going to be good. And look what happened. Like, real estate really took off then because everybody decided to buy a home. I think right now people are still trying to like feel nervous about the market and trying to figure out what it's going to happen with interest rates. And I think the the sweet spot is six and a quarter. That's what mm-hmm. I've noticed. So whenever mm-hmm. whenever rates are above six and a quarter, 
we can see like a slowdown in showings, a slowdown in activity. But once it's below six and a quarter, every buyer comes out. So I think based on uh, just the amount of inventory out there, which is not a lot and single family homes and, mm -hmm. and a lot of people that had locked those like very low interest rates, they're going to stay put for another couple of years that will not help the inventory to rise up, which makes the, you know, the demand still pretty high. I think, you know, coming 2024 is going to be a good year uh, for real estate. Right now, it's like a limbo. No one knows. Like, it's unsure. But my opinion is once the rates kind of get under control, it gets a little more stable, maybe mm -hmm. drop a little bit. I think that's when it's going to go. Based on my conversations with my database, everyone's kind of watching what's happening, but most of my people, they need to sell later this year. They need to buy later this year, early next year. So I think mm. for 2024, it, it, it's going to be good. Yeah, yeah. So what, do you, what are your plans for the, over the next year? What kind of goals do you have between now and next summer? Well, I do have a goal of sell $10 million worth of real estate every year. Um, this year okay. may, may not happen. Not sure still, it could happen still. Um, but to stay in front of my people, stay in front of the people that keeps talking to me in regard to the market, asking questions and just provide value to every client of mine, touch base with the cl past clients, provide them information like, hey, here's what real estate has done with you. And not be also not be afraid to give them bad news. Like, hey, look, since you bought it, yeah, it hasn't appreciated much. You actually drop a little bit, but hey, you're, you're fine. Here's mm -hmm. what we're seeing. Here's maybe what's going to go. Here's historically what's happened. Um, and, and hopefully for next year, get those referrals and get those repeat businesses. I, I love how you um, take it down to that basic level of just staying in touch with your people. It's kind of back to how we started the podcast. I mean, it, the the thing I've noticed is, you know, you're a young agent. You've been at it for five years now. But the top agents that I interview and that I know, it's the same th the same theme over and over again. It's just that those basics, staying in touch with the people you know, that know, like, and trust you, and the business follows from there. I mean, that's oh, honest. yeah. I call it blocking and tackling. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, I mean, you're an impressive guy, and... um I just really appreciate you getting on and sharing your thoughts on everything and sharing what you're doing. I mean, I just, I'm really impressed by what you're doing, Tiago. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you, if you're listening to this and enjoyed the show, please share it with some other people. That's how the word grows and how other people learn and from great agents like Tiago. And once again, my name is RJ Baxter with Intercap Lending and appreciate you guys joining us. Have a great rest of your day.